Welcome to Mocktails and Masterpieces with the Indianapolis Chamber Orchestra. Today's episode is sponsored by Anthony Team Realty. Hello, I am Dana Stone here with Mocktails and Masterpieces by the Indianapolis Chamber Orchestra. Um, for those of you that are joining us for the first time, Mocktails and Masterpieces what began as a COVID adventure, um, a way to stay connected with audiences when we couldn't be performing. But um, even though our name has been Mocktails and Masterpieces, we haven't really featured a mocktail. So I'm excited to be here today uh, with special support from Anthony Team Realty uh, with Milkman's Daughter, who is a mobile bartender for Mocktails and Cocktails. And they have created some really exciting beverages for us to try. Actually, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself and talk a little bit about Milkman's Daughter. Yeah, for sure. Um, my name is Dion. I created Milkman's Daughter kind of in the same way that uh, Mocktails and Masterpieces was created. We are a mobile bar bartending service that um, specializes in both cocktails and zero proof cocktails. Um, and it's honestly one of my favorite things to do is to make something not like something uh, alcoholic into something non-alcoholic, if that makes sense. That definitely does. And I think when we were talking before this episode, you mentioned that uh, it's really important for events to offer some sort of non-alcoholic alternative. Um, you know, at ICO, one of the major things that we focus on is DEI and the inclusion component of that is making sure that everyone that comes to an event feels included. Uh, so if someone is alcohol-free, um, you know, you have some great solutions and some options for them to be a part of the party. Yeah, so today's episode, um, we'll be highlighting some ICO musicians in just a few minutes, uh, but we spoke with them prior to this episode about the things that they like, and uh, Milkman's daughter, Dion, has created some really cool beverages to connect with their flavor profile. So can you describe how you created this cocktail that I'm going to taste here in just a second? Yeah, for sure. So we're going to start with a daiquiri, um, and what we're going to do is... What we found is that uh, I usually take the complexity of the cocktail and I break it down. So I just do like almost like reverse engineering into the tasting um, of cocktails. So we have our citrus, right? We have our sugars and our sugary components. Um, but the hardest part is like the, the alcohol, right? Like how do I get the flavor profiles of a rum without actually using rum. How do the, the mouth of like the uh, the taste and like the effects that like you really won't think about like how it feels on your tongue or how like after you drink it, it kind of wants you to you want to drink more, right? But without being like juice, where it's super easy to drink all of the juice, right? And it's super super high in sugar. Um, but so the daiquiri, I've honestly found that um, there's a, this curious, the sober curious movement is what it's being called. Um, you can find a lot of zero proof um, spiritless spirits out there, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorites personally is Klingko. Uh, I wish I knew who was like in charge. I just wanted to be like, hey, thank you. Um, they, they really do a really good job, honestly. So. Um, with our daiquiri, I use two ounces of Plinko. I use um, 
and that's for our rum alternative. And then uh, I get, I just get kind of creative, creative with it, right? Like I look at the uh, the sugar component, and if you think about a daiquiri, what do you think of? Like tropics, right? Yeah, I don't uh, know if I've ever had something besides a strawberry daiquiri, so I'm kind of excited to taste that, citrusy. Mm -hmm. So you get citrus and you get tropical. So I put some um, lime juice or key lime in there for this one. And then I also put some orgeat, which is um, a almond-based simple sugar. Right. Should I taste it? Please do. I'm going to I'm going to join you. Oh, wow. This is really good. Thank you. Um, talk to me. Tell me what you taste. Tell me what you smell. Okay. Well, I definitely smell the citrus, but it doesn't taste lime or lemony, which is what I thought by the color that it would taste like that. Um, it's kind of sweet, but it's not sweet, which like those daiquiris, because I've just told you, I've only had strawberry are very sweet. So this is like really refreshing. If, um, anyone listening is interested in mobile bartending services, how can they find you Dion? Oh, wonderful question. So you can find us on Instagram at, uh, milkman starter indie. Um, and also we have a website, uh, which is uh, Milkman Starter and uh, email us please at info at milkmanstarter.bar.com. Sorry. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being our first mocktail creator. And um, I know we'll be having you back uh, for our upcoming episodes. And thank you so much for this decorating. Cheers, everyone. Special thank you again to you, Dion, and to Anthony Team Realty for their support as ICO branches into the podcast realm here in August of 2023. Hello, I'm Dana Stone, the Executive Director of the Indianapolis Chamber Orchestra, and I'm excited to be here today with three of our incredible ICO musicians. Um, some of them are newer to us, and some have been with us for some time, but excited to introduce you to them specifically. So I have first, we'll start with Pam Iyengo, who is the most seasoned player we have in this conversation. Hi, Dana. Thanks for having us here. We're glad to have you. So Pam, can you start by just sharing your years with the ICO um, instrument, if someone doesn't know, and, um, and some of your background? Sure. sure. Uh, my position in the chamber orchestra is second oboe and English horn, the bigger oboe. Um, which you'll hear some this season, which I'm excited to talk about. Um, I, not technically, but I started with the ICO in 2002 when I moved back to Indianapolis, which is my hometown um, from New York City. And I had been on the East Coast for 10 years. Um, and this was before we were a union orchestra that held bigger auditions. It was kind of by invite, some auditions, and I was in the chamber orchestra for those five years until 2007 when I officially um, auditioned for my position. And luckily I, I won the audition. So I guess I've been an official member since 2007. Um, I also teach at Butler University as the professor of oboe there. I have taught before at Anderson and University of Indianapolis. And I have one son, Ian, who just moved out of the house a few days ago to start his freshman year at IU in downtown Indianapolis. Exciting. So let's yeah. go to uh, Candace. Can you share a little bit about yourself? Sure. 
Um, my name is Candace Kaiser. I'm a clarinetist with the Chamber Orchestra. I believe my first time playing with the Chamber Orchestra was in 2003. So I think I've completed my 20th year. Um, I was a substitute like Pam in the beginning. And then uh, a couple of seasons later, an audition was held for second clarinet and I was able to get that uh, position. Um, I moved away from Indianapolis in 2007 after I got married. I moved to Ohio and uh, because of my husband's job and uh, I kept playing with the chamber orchestra through having two kids and um, starting to teach in a university. I taught at Slippery Rock University in Pennsylvania. And uh, 2019, we decided to move back to Indianapolis and we settled in Carmel and continue with the chamber orchestra. I also work, um, I teach as the part-time assistant professor of clarinet at DePaul University. And then I teach a lot of students at Carmel High School and uh, from the Carmel Middle School Bands programs as well up here in Carmel. Wonderful. And one of our newest members, we'll have Emily go next. Hi, my name is Emily Gillens and I just moved to Fishers in July last year. I joined the orchestra in October. We moved, my husband got a job at Pages Music and he is a brass technician. So we moved down here with our two kids and I'm really excited to be back in Indiana because I went to school in Bloomington for my undergrad. I studied with Miriam Freed and there's a lot of connections there with the chamber orchestra and people who know her. And um, yeah, I was in New York City um, for a long time and I was subbing in the New York Philharmonic for the last seven years and doing some film and TV work and freelancing. Um, I'm really excited to be back, so. Yeah, we're, we're certainly happy to have you. And I think your um, entrance to ICO is different than both Pam and Candace in that you had not played with us, but came to one of our blind auditions and, and won, is that right? Yes, I hadn't played here before. So we're, we're thrilled to have found you and <laughs> be a part of our, our orchestra and kind of stepping right into one of those, um, you know, audition chairs um, as part of our core musicians. So welcome, Emily. Um, you're kind of starting your second full season with us, but excited to see where this, our 40th season goes. Um, I thought next we would, and maybe we'll start with you, Emily, um, kind of talk about um, any specific concert coming up this season that you're excited about, whether it's a specific piece of music that maybe has a personal connection or um, maybe something you don't know that you're excited to explore. Oh, when I was thinking about there's a couple that I, or maybe three, I like, I, I was really excited to hear about the Messiah sing-along because my kids love the Messiah and they love to sing. And I thought, well, that'll be great to take them um, so they can experience that. And also the Silence Voices, um, I just really, specifically, I love Corn Gold. I was really a big Corn Gold fan and to play as Straussiana, um, Ben, and the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto. I'm excited to hear the soloist for that and just a lot of great things coming up. 
Yeah, so for our audiences, that is our January 20th concert. Um, and it is centered around voices silenced by Nazi Germany. Um, there's a commissioned work um, called Anne Frank's Tree. And then the, the two pieces that Emily just mentioned, the Corn Gold and then the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto, where we'll have an IVCI laureate um, joining us. So maybe let's go to Candice next. I am really excited about our concert coming up in next month and so at the end of September. Um, the Zodiac Suite, it just, it's a, the combination of the jazz idiom and the small orchestra. I'm really excited to see how that works. And then uh, that's being paired with Beethoven Sixth, which as a clarinetist is one of uh, our most beloved pieces. It's a lot of big clarinet solos in there. Um, I won't get to play those solos, but I do get to sit next to my former teacher <laughs> and get to experience up close his performance of those wonderful solos. So I'm excited about that. And of course the dance kaleidoscope at the end of the season. I've really loved all of our collaborations with dance kaleidoscope and the, the music that's on that program are all just gems. The Dvorak um, Symphony from the New World and uh, Afternoon of a Fawn by Debussy. Great, great music. Pam, what about you? Oh my goodness, these these two ladies have covered a lot of what I was going to say. Um, I, I too, um, I love, uh, even though I, I'm a big fan of new music and commissions, I do love going back to classical era um, pieces. So the Beethoven sixth is going to be stunning, I think, with our orchestra and with Matthew conducting. Um, uh, there's a an oboe soloist coming. Well, there are a couple of times where we have kind of featured soloists, but uh, Nancy Ambrose King, who's the professor at University of Michigan, an amazing um, oboe soloist and pedagogue in our um, field is coming to solo with her son, uh, Ryan, in November on a new piece that was written for them. So, and she'll also be giving a masterclass to my students at Butler that week. So that's very exciting. Um, I get to actually play a small solo in April for the Black Keys concert. Um, I'm not really listed on the program because it's a very small solo. It's English horn and strings. It's a, a short piece by Ulysses K called Pieta, which is just beautiful. I've started listening to it and working on it. And when Matthew invited me to play that, I was really excited. And um, and then like Candace mentioned, the New World, uh, Dvorak New World Symphony and our collaboration with Dance Kaleidoscope is always um, amazing, not only just to see the dancers, but to have numerous arts patrons from from uh, Dance Kaleidoscope uh, who attend those performances, don't always come to the chamber orchestra. So I think we we broaden our audience that way and make new friends and new fans um, and kind of work together with uh, another well-known, well-respected organization in town is really exciting. I definitely agree. I think one of the things that makes ICO such a 
a strong organization here in Indy is our collaborative efforts. So having this relationship with DK um, and to have two multimedia or multidisciplinary arts um, on the stage at the same time is, is really exciting to see like the performing arts really in their splendor. <laughs> um, you know, them doing what they do and us doing what we do. I mean, there's really that collaborative work together um, is really special, you know, and it's not just with DK. I mean, we're, we're working with Kenyette dance for the Black East concert, um, IVCI and um, APA sort of with Aaron Deal, um, even though he's graduated from APA um, in some ways, he's still a winner of that contest. So it's fun to, to collaborate with our local partners. Um, Let's chat just a little bit about last year. Um, it, it feels like it was a long time ago, although <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. Um, any, in thinking back, was there anything that really stood out to you that we performed or that we, we did even through um, education outreach or community engagement that, that really was meaningful to you as a musician and member of our orchestra? Um, I love the parks concerts, which are coming up. So um, I always think that's fun. I have students come to attend family. My family has attended each year, brought picnics and their free concerts. And so I think that's really um, fun. And, you know, during our uh, COVID era, we didn't get to perform a lot for actual audiences. So um, last year felt like the first full season that we were really um, back after a bit of a hiatus, although we kept playing and doing streaming. Um, I don't know. I, I, I love every concert we play because of the, the collaboration we have as musicians and with Matthew and with our audience. So I don't think I can name a favorite from last season. <laughs> Maybe someone else can. Yeah. Anybody else? I enjoyed Fidelio. I really, I hadn't performed opera in a while. It was just really fun to do that. I've never played Fidelio and I had a group of friends come and it was just, I love the community feel of being at Butler and, you know, it's intimate and you get to, you know, mingle with the audience afterwards. And I just really enjoy that. I hadn't had that in a while, you know, being a sub and being a bigger orchestra. And I just love talking to people, you know, hearing what they enjoyed about the concert. So that was a highlight of my season last year. Probably the highlight for me was the April concert. And that's just a kind of a personal uh, statement. Just that concert, I was um, performing as the acting principal clarinet for the second half of last season because Ellie Ban was on a, a bit of a break a leave of absence from his teaching at Indiana University. So he was gone and traveling. And I had the opportunity to play this wonderful concert program that had so many big moments for clarinet. And it was a point of pride for me. I felt like I worked really, really hard on that concert, but the entire orchestra, it was a very, very challenging program a lot of variety of styles and just, you know, difficulty in that program. And I thought the orchestra sounded really fantastic. Um, I agree. I think there was a lot of positive feedback about that concert because of the, the music. I don't know if anything was well-known on that program at all, but absolutely everything was beautiful and well-received. And I know it was really challenging. 
feedback wise from you all, <laughs> but I would say the audience really came away with an extremely positive experience. So, and that's also really fun for us. I'm a musician. Uh, we don't get into this because we shirk a challenge. You know, we really, <laughs> we go after the, the hard stuff. We want it. It's, it's kind of like an athletic event. We want to learn the hard music and, and be able to play it really well. So it was very satisfying to play and also just great, you know, again, great music. I also really enjoyed the Frankenstein film because it was a unique experience to play a modern score to an older movie and uh, music that fit the school, fit the cinematic experience so well, but was kind of new. Yeah. And also just you know, that, that program that we do with a movie always ends up selling well and, you know, having performing for a full house. Is I got to listen to that one because really <laughs> yeah, I got to listen because Leonid, uh, my colleague in the oboe section was playing. And so whenever there's just one oboe, I get even more excited because then I get to attend and watch the chamber orchestra. <laughs> Don't and get me. We're playing it again, right? <laughs> I love that will be. Uh, you have another opportunity to see that, right? Right, and that's the good news. I'm not sure exactly when Newfield is announcing that, but um, of course, this will live on beyond um, the day that it's released. So, yes, um, as part of the kickoff of Harvest Nights at Newfields here in Indianapolis, um, the ICO is playing Frankenstein again with film. Um, on that Friday night, September 29th. So tickets will be available for that shortly if they are not already. So make sure you check that out if you missed it because our Frankenstein performance sold out, I think about two weeks before the actual concert. So um, if you enjoyed it, see it again. If you missed it, you know, it's Halloween time. It is the time to, to experience that show. Um, and it was really fantastic. Candace is right. Um, I think this year's movie is going to be interesting, too, because it's still a newer score to an older film. Um, and it's an oratorio with chorus. So um, really a very different um, movie experience, I think, than than what we've done in some years where it's been a, the traditional score that was originally composed. So I'll be excited to see how that all unfolds. So I know we touched just briefly on the fact that, um, you know, this kicks off the 40th season of the ICO. Our, our first performance was in December of 1984. So that was year one. Um, and now here we are at year um, season 40, um, which is year 39 because you don't count zero. Um, so we're excited for that, for that celebration. Um, but thinking back, you know, 40 seasons ago, you know, ICO was a much different organization. We actually had a different name, um, Musicians of the Cloister, and we performed at, at a church. Um, and over the years, we've moved around until we found our home here at the Schrott and our new name, which I think was adopted fairly quickly, actually, as the Indianapolis Chamber Orchestra. Um, what do you see if you were to like kind of close your eyes and vision um, 40 seasons from today, 2063, um, what, what is ICO and um, what would you like to see us doing, performing, being, all those things, if you could dream about it? That's tough, Dana. <laughs> That's a tough 
it is hard. It's hard for me too. I'm like, I don't know. I'd like us to be very sound financially. No, we are anyway, but <laughs> I'd like us to be able to dream big. You know, I'd like us to perform a little more. I think um, um, I always have in mind something that one of our board members said um, a few years ago, and this is something that we talked about in our negotiations. So I get to be in on those sometimes, uh, being a longtime member of the orchestra committee, is that it would be great to see the orchestra become a full-time orchestra at some point. And, you know, there's so many um, part-time, wonderful part-time orchestras in the in this country, and we're one of them. We have stellar musicians who have played all over the place, but we, we play and we do a number of things. You know, we're teaching at universities, we're playing in other orchestras, we're traveling um, musicians, most musicians end up doing that in order to make uh, make a salary, you know, combine you know, as a freelancer. Um, and the more that we play together, the better we sound, even though it's already a, a wonderful orchestra. And so I feel like there's room for us to grow in terms of how many concerts we play. We're also a pretty mobile orchestra. So we there are orchestras around the country, a few that are um, smaller orchestras, but kind of cover the the area, just not right in their home city, but um, playing in many different areas to bring music to some communities that may not have orchestras. So I would like to see us um, doing that and expanding. I don't think I'll be playing in 40 years because that puts me almost at 90, not that many of our players are going at that point, but hopefully I'll be listening and supporting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's. I, I think that would be awesome to see us at that point. I mean, certainly possible when you think about where we started to where we are today. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. I, with the playing more and getting to be really cohesive, you know, just feeling like, you know, everyone, I mean, I, I don't because I'm new but I love the idea of also doing a lot with schools and younger um, musicians and, you know, inspiring them. I had so many teachers who inspired me and played in Louisville Orchestra or played in various groups. And I would um, love to see, you know, that why I know the ICO is doing a lot of that community engagement already. And so just maybe expanding that even further. Definitely. I love this question because um, I think it's kind of inspiring for uh, for me, um, particularly in regards to the work that um, we do together, Dana, on the um, on the diversity, equity, and inclusion committee, mm -hmm. and for our project with the Catalyst grant. Um, I would love to take a peek forty years down the road and see our audiences full of groups of people that reflect the community that we live in. And that the stage also reflects the community that we live in. I think our programming is where it starts and we are doing that. Um, we're, you know, Meister Kramer has, is really um, focused on creating concert programs that take from that classical repertoire, but also, you know, invite people to experience things that are new and things that are from uh, composers that are of underrepresented groups. 
and um, just allow the audience to experience a diverse um, set of music, which is wonderful. And I really hope that that keeps going. And I know we're going to work very hard to keep that going and work towards the goals of having the um, audience and the stage and our, the entire organization. I agree completely, Candace. That is like my dream too. <laughs> I, I know we're putting as an organization and you specifically as a musician serving on that committee. I mean, we put a lot of time and effort and we really think about what we want to be for our community. And uh, we know it's a long game. You know, I, we're not seeing it tomorrow. Uh, we're going to see some of it tomorrow, but I think 40 years from now, like we can look, we'll, we should be able to look back and know, Hey, we did it. <laughs> we did it. I think 40 years is more than enough time. Maybe 10 years is enough time. But in, mm -hmm. in, in, the, middle, in the midst of that, um, I'm really excited about the direction this, this organization is, the orchestra, um, Matthew's vision, um, the musician's commitment to, to trying new music and different music, our audience's willingness to explore with us. You know, how often do you see a piece by Mary Lou Williams paired with Beethoven. I mean, that's maybe not a typical combination if you look at it on a surface level, but if you look at it deeper in terms of what is the message, you know, this is the pastoral symphony and this is a, a piece about astro astrology and we have this nature component, this humanistic component in both of them. Um, and I think that's what makes ICO so cool, <laughs> you know, that we can think about, think about music and more than just like the names of the composers or the their country of origin or you know even their style that we can think about thematic things and we can we can do things that maybe full-time orchestras can't or maybe they can and they're just not but anyway i'm excited yeah. to see the future too it's all about finding connections that are not on the surface level that are not the most obvious connection but we all have connections that may not appear on the surface mm -hmm. um with you know, pick any other individual and you can find common ground. And I think that's a great allegory. Yeah. I was just inspired by, I was looking at our first concert, our, our opening concert with the Zodiac um, piece. And uh, I thought, you know, I need to play more like jazz, you know, newer music. So just today I ordered a few new pieces of music. <laughs> one, is, um, one is by Gunther Schuller. Uh, who was a horn player and a composer and um, jazz pedagogue. And uh, I I thought, you know, this is inspiring me. Uh, the programming for the chamber orchestra is inspiring me personally to look at new music and try some new new styles. So I think that, that we have a broad appeal because of that, because everyone seems to love Beethoven. And there are a lot of people who follow the APA and, and jazz and to see a collaboration like that is is pretty cool. I don't think every orchestra does that. No, I don't think every orchestra does. And um, I'm glad that we're among those that do, you know, that, that we're exploring things. Um, you know, we're so fortunate to have Maestro Kramer because his vision and the way that he thinks about music is I think pretty ingenious. Um, we, we don't see that everywhere and um, and it's exciting to see where the next, you know, five years with him will go. And um, 
and hopefully we'll get more than that. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, music is ever evolving and it's ever discovering. And um, I want to thank you, all three of you, for being a part of today's conversation, um, for dreaming with me about the future and for sharing your experiences here at the ICO. Um, and thank our audiences for um, trying out our new podcast. So we, of course, will still continue to have this present on our YouTube platforms and Facebook. Um, but if you're listening there and you would like to check this out when you're driving to work and listening, uh, we are going to be available, all of these um, episodes, on all places where podcasts stream. So I hope you will join us and share with friends as we try to continue to connect with our community about the cool and exciting things that the ICO is committed to. So thank you all so much. Thanks, Dana. All right. Thank and you, thank Dana. you also to today's sponsor, Anthony Team Realty, um, for helping us to make this expansion to a podcast of reality. Thanks. See everybody soon. <laughs>